Welcome to the Bible Answer Show, a live and lively forum that brings together pastoral and apologetic voices from across the Christian community to answer your scripture questions. Our show is hosted by Pastor Michael Lance of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, along with a panel of pastors and other invited guests. The phone lines are open now. So, you've got questions, we've got answers on today's Bible Answer Show. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to the Bible Answer Show, where we got all your answers at low, low warehouse prices. Go ahead and give us a call at 1-800-227-5278, 1-800-227-5278, just like the big box stores without the free samples. <laughs> My name is Mike Massaro. I'll be picking up your calls and handing them off to our crew of super pastors in the room, starting out with Pastor Coach Chris Van Hook. Off to my right is Pastor Brian Richards, and directly opposite me today, Senior Pastor of Living Truth Christian Fellowship here in Corona, California, Pastor Michael Lance. Gentlemen. Mike, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing all right. Hey, I, got, I have a story about a free sample. So oh, yeah? I went to Chick-fil-A yesterday, mm -hmm. and they gave me a free sample. And, you know, if anybody from Chick-fil-A is listening, this is free advertising right now. They gave me a sample of that biscuit chicken thing. Man, it made my normal chicken sandwich taste not so good. Really? <laughs> was it like a, uh, like a breakfast chicken thing? Or I, just, I don't know. It was, it was chicken inside a biscuit. And Were I'll tell eggs? you, it was... Huh? Was there eggs included? N no eggs, just, mm. the chicken. just the chicken. So anyway. And I've, I've had it the was, one with breakfast. With they're the eggs, good, and huh? It's incredible. Yeah, so it was. I had a moment like in the car of, you know, <laughs> it's almost like <laughs> and then I was shaming thinking, you. Yeah, and it was free, so it was just fantastic. Uh, the price, the price was right. <laughs> you know, we can get into the whole, uh, you know, what's in that Chick Fil A sauce in a different uh, on a different day because that's a whole other. You don't want to go there. Yeah, well, okay. that's a whole other topic. Well, you brought up the free sample well, thing. And could... I thought maybe I'd inspire some people that. Every now and then you get something free. Well, now really you guys good. know where to go on your lunch today. I was going to say uh, after the comments last week on gluttony that today was mm. Taco Less Tuesday. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, we got a we got a caller coming in. Uh, well, we'll give them a second. Um, back on the free sample thing. I, one day I went into Albertsons because they always had the the chocolate chip cookies there at the bakery. You know, you could just reach in and grab them. Yeah. The other day I was uh, I was wasn't even going to the grocery store and I walked in to get the free cookie. Yeah. Just to get the cookie. Just and leave. to get the cookie. And you didn't there, buy anything else. Well, I walked in and there wasn't any in the bowl. And oh. I, and I, you know, there was such a feeling of like a shame and everything. I was in there. I'm like, <laughs> All right, you got to back up a second. Are you telling me there's free cookies? Yeah, they're at really Albertsons? good. It's really good. Uh, Why am I just learning this? Cookies? Yeah. Michael, <laughs> and you do know that there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, right? <laughs> well, you tell that to my wife. Hey, uh, Mike, can I chime in for a second? You may. So um, this is the Bible Answer Show, and you may be a new listener to this program, but we're on Kbright from 12 to 12.30, and what we're doing is we're taking Bible questions. We're not just going to talk about food. We'd really like to talk about the bread of God and the oh, Word of God. There we go. So uh, this is a format for you to call. This is really your show. You can determine the direction of the show by calling in and asking your Bible questions. So you might have a question about the cults, the occult. Maybe you talk to somebody who's in another world religion. Maybe something came up at a Bible study or as you were studying your Bible and a question has arisen, or maybe there's that problem passage that's just bugged you for years and you really want to ask about it. Well, that's why we're here. This is the Bible Answer Show and the number is 1-800-227-5278. Write that number down. 
tell a friend about the show. Some of you get in your car, you go out to lunch at noon, and so I know you start listening at about 12.05 and 12.10, and you can call as well. And since it is Taco List Tuesday, just pass on that taco for a few minutes and call us at 800-227-5278. Right. And if you're just now tuning in, man, you missed a lot in the first three yeah. minutes. You really did. <laughs> uh, you know, we had a caller coming in, uh, but the, they vanished. So uh, if you got a question, now's your chance to call. We got an open spot. You can be the first one. In the meantime, we have uh, we got a new mailbag question here today. And this here's another topical holiday uh, question. And I've wondered this myself, guys. What does the X mean when people abbreviate uh, Christmas as Xmas? Uh, does it uh, does it does it refer to Christ or something else? Well, there's been some some talk, uh, and and I think it's because there's just a misunderstanding, Mike. Um, and sometimes this is a, a subject that comes up, and you know, folks in leadership uh, share things, or there may be things on websites and. Uh, the X becomes this conspiracy where you know people think that uh, folks are trying to X Christ out of Christmas. Mm. Now, while we know that is true, that there's been a lot of just malarkey and terrible stuff going on in our culture where they want to excise Christ from Christmas and they don't want to have you know nativity scenes and Christmas trees, want to be holiday trees and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We can talk about all of that stuff, but... In this case, it is not a conspiracy. The X is actually Brian the Chi in the Greek language. And if you look at the way that Christ is spelled, um, it, it does look like RX. And it, it, the, the Greek uh, form of Christ is Christos. So it starts with the Chi. And uh, it turns out that, you know, I'm just reading from something here, but uh, Xmas is not a non-religious version of Christmas. The X is actually indicating the Greek letter Chi, which is short for the Greek Christos, meaning Christ. So Xmas and Christmas are equivalent in every way except their lettering. And, you know, when you start to do some research on this and you, you go back to some of the source data, apparently uh, religious scholars were writing uh, Christ this way or Christmas this way for thousands of years. So it is not a conspiracy. It's not people trying to X Christ out of Christmas. It's actually just, maybe the best way to say it, it's, it's an abbreviation for the name Christ. Mm -hmm. And just think about it for a second. There are, there are ways that you take um, the original name of Jesus, which, which is technically, we would say, Yeshua, and it goes into other languages. It moves in from, from Hebrew to Greek. Uh, it moves from, for example, Greek to English. And you could say, well, this is not the original way it's written. Well, whenever you go into a receptor language, it's not technically the way it was originally written or even spoken. But this is just a way of abbreviating the name of Christ. So in this case, the X is the Chi and in Greek, and it's just like using the first uh, uh, letter of the name of Christ in Greek. This is kind of like, it goes a little bit hand in hand with the fish symbol that we talked about, Mike. And Brian, maybe you can, if you want to just touch on the, the X and the fish symbol. We, we talked about the meaning, but maybe you can just remind us of that. Yeah, and, and great answer on that, Pastor Michael. Now, we'll just quickly add for our listeners, the, the Greek pronunciation is key, key, but it's with a little bit of, uh, you know, you get your throat into it a little bit. It's like he, he. <laughs> So, you know, it's kind of, so, cause I know Chi, isn't that like a form of martial arts or <laughs> yeah, Tai Chi? Yeah. So, but, like but so we would yeah. say it, Christ, 
So almost like it would sound like it more like a K, but it's a CH combination yeah. as yeah. it moves from Greek into English. English. Correct? Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And going back to the fish, you know, the, the fish was in, was an ancient symbol, um, in, in, during the Roman empire, Christians in the first century, uh, they, they had these underground, uh, places they would go to, to really hide from the government and, and from, you know, uh, the establishment because Christianity was illegal at that time. And, and what they would do is they, they would write half of the fish on different parts of the wall. And if guests were come in, if they could complete that fish, then they knew that person was a Christian. And they even added within that, you know, almost like a second test, you know, certain letters, um, you know, to make out this phrase that, that was, uh, you know, really common during that time. And uh, Coach, you know, you, you remember what the phrase is. I'm drawing a blank exactly what it is. Jesus Christ, God's Son, Savior. Yeah, and so they would just take the first letter of each of those words, mm -hmm. and you would write that within the fish, and it was an ancient Christian symbol. And yeah. I know there's there's some people out there that, you know, it, it's just one of those things that when you hear it and you get knowledge of it, you go, oh, okay, that makes sense. But when you first hear it, if it turns into this conspiracy thing, then people get worried and they're saying, oh, you know, people are trying to X Christ out of Christmas. Well, in this case, folks, and, and Brian, I think you said it well before the program started, you know, sometimes when you hear about conspiracy theories, be very careful because, you know, do your research. Uh, and we've all, you know, heard things in the past and maybe we've repeated them because we didn't check it out. But in this case, the X is okay because of what it stands for and the history yeah. of it. Uh, you know, just to make this relevant to, to, to today, I don't know if you guys heard, but just recently it came out that there there is more fake news that is <laughs> circulated than real news. So it, ju it just goes to show how prone we are to giving in to conspiracies and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, and, and I just want to say, if you're concerned about Christ being taken out of Christmas, then you need to quit worrying about minor things like this and get out and show the love of Jesus Christ to the people around you mm -hmm. to share the gospel with them. And, and, you know, I think, Brian, you say this a lot. You know, we need to show the world what we're for more than what we're against. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't stick up and stand up for things that are wrong and that we are against, and we do. But, you know, we can't do that to the exclusion of the fact that we have to take practical steps to show God's love in this world. We're to be a light and, and to shine in this world, and that doesn't just mean speaking out against things. It means getting out and doing the good works that God has prepared for us in advance. Amen. All right. Um, do any of you guys ever write Xmas on anything? Uh, I think I have in the past. Yeah, it's heresy. <laughs> All right, we're going to go to our next caller. You set me up for that, didn't you? No chicken sandwich for you. I was All thinking, right. you know, around the table here, we could all get a tattoo of it. I think, well, there you go. <laughs> All right, you're listening to the Bible Answer Show. Hey, if you've got questions, give us a call here at 1-800-227-5278, 1-800-227-5278. We're going to go to Randy in Alhambra. Uh, Randy, uh, before I get to your question, I have a question for you. Do you know what Alhambra translates to in English? <laughs> No, I don't. Randy, let me straighten them out. It's supposed to be Alhambra, not Alhambra. Oh, okay. So, well, that would explain it. Because I thought it meant like the hamburger or something. All right. Randy, uh, you're on with the Bible Answer Show. What's your question? My question is, and you're going to have to help me with this parable, uh, and then I'd like to hang up and listen to the answer. It's the parable where the master had gone away and he gave 
two different people coins. And one guy multiplied the coins and gave it back, and he was happy. Oh, sorry, there was three guys. And then one of them, he just buried his coin and handed him back the same amount. And he was the one who kind of, I'm focusing on the guy who got kind of, not chastised, but scolded for um, not multiplying his coin. You know, he just kind of, and I'm wondering, is is this kind of like paralleling our gifts? You know, not like sharing our gifts? Yeah. Sure, Randy. I think we got your question. So um, if you want to listen off air, that's fine. Uh, Appreciate you calling in and we'll try to research the meaning of all hombra. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, the parable of the talents is interesting because it's it's actually a a teaching that comes up in the book of Matthew in the context of the second coming. Matthew 24 and 25, if you think about it, guys, are two classic chapters on eschatology. And Matthew 24 is the Olivet Discourse. Matthew 25 are parables about readiness, about stewardship. Um, They have those kinds of themes. And, you know, the parallel is that Jesus has come, he's gone away, he's ascended into heaven, he's coming again. And so the question really becomes, who's the faithful and wise steward who takes care of his master's goods while he's away and uh, pleases him? So, you know, uh, Randy, you had it right. I think you might have been doing it from memory, but yeah, each of them are giving given a different amount. I do think that uh, the talents here, which was the... Uh, the talent was the largest denomination of currency at the time, and it, it was actually a significant amount of money. Um, you know, you think about, uh, we call um, things we're good at our talents, you know, and, and there is, there's, you know, at least a, a, a connection there, even though it, it spoke of a, a, an amount of money. It really does tie with what you're given. Too much is given, much is required. And so the, the last individual, you know, uh, the, the first two have done, uh, you know, let me just backtrack for a second. In verse 15 of Matthew 25, it says, um, each one according to his own ability was given. So you get your, you're gifted according to your own ability. And then the charge, the overall theme is really to manage well what you're given by your master and to produce something with it. So you're given, you know, what is a significant amount of money and you're given time to invest it. And here's the idea of investment, not not in the idea of the stock market and that kind of thing. But what are you doing with your time, talent and treasure, especially your spiritual gifts? Are you doing something to multiply, to to please your master? And so the first one gained, what, five more, as I kind of just uh flow through the passage. It's a, it's a fairly lengthy passage. Uh, maybe you want to, uh, the, the last one basically dug a hole in the ground mm-hmm. and hit his master's money. Um, so he comes back to settle accounts is how the parable goes. And, uh, you know, the first two are, are lauded. Uh, the first one gained five more. The second one, verse 22, gained two more. Uh, but the last one is the one that troubles a lot of people because uh, he he was afraid. He let fear uh, dictate what he did, and he hid it in the ground. And he, now he was ready to return it to his master, but he didn't do anything with it. And so he says, "You ought to have uh, put my money in the bank, and on my arrival, I re- received my money back with interest." But basically, you did nothing nothing with it. So it's taken away from him and given to the others. And then this this uh, this worthless slave, verse thirty. Whew, is cast into outer darkness, mm. 
a place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Mm-hmm. And I think what this shows is that this last individual, this is the way I'd have to take this, is, was never a true believer. And so he was given something, but he never did anything with it, which revealed that he didn't really fear his master. He didn't really love his master. He just kind of just buried it. And I'll tell you what, there's a lot of crossover into a lot of people who get exposed to the gospel, guys, and they bury what they've heard, and they push down the truth. And when Jesus comes, he asks the question, Coach, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Yeah, and I, and I think that that's the key to understanding this parable, because it, it is a difficult one. And a lot of people look at it strictly as, oh, God's telling us how to use our money. And of course, that's, that's not at all what this is. I, I think that not only is it your gifts that God's given you, but it's the gospel itself. And, and it represents the gospel itself and what you do with the gospel. And, and it says here that, you know, um, for everyone who has, more shall be given to him. And I think the more that we use what God gave us in terms of the gospel message, our ability to share it, the people he puts in front of us um, to share it with and that. And like you said, if you just go and hide it, um, then it's obvious that the gospel really didn't have much meaning to you. I think these other guys are ones that invested uh, what God had given them and the ability to share the gospel, the ability to um, bring other people to Christ um, in, a, in a great way. And then this, this last one, I think, is, is that who basically hid the gospel and said, no, I really don't ha- want to have anything to do with this. And Pastor Brian, that tells me that it matters what we do with what God's given us. And uh, we're not arguing for a workspace salvation here, but we are saying that good works flow out of a saved life. And look, there's going to be times in your Christian life where you're producing maybe more good works than other times, but but when you're connected to the vine, good works are just going to come out. They're going to be the natural overflow of a heart in love with God. Mm. And so um, I, I think that's the meaning of the parable. All right. You're listening to the Bible Answer Show. You can give us a call at 1-800-227-5278. Uh, for anyone taking notes, the uh, Alhambra is the uh, palace of the Moorish kings in Grenada, Spain. <laughs> oh, man. Can we just so, say it's the hamburger? I like well, that way better. I think the uh, meaning of the... I, yeah, let's just go with that. I, I was going to go with, hey, bro, but <laughs> that's probably too simplistic. Maybe. Uh, okay, Dave and Big Bear, you're on with the Bible Answer Show. Hey, guys. Hey, blessing you to, to you for uh, this program. Thanks, Dave. Uh, I got a question about the full sleep. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and I, uh, you know, uh, during the during the resurrection, um, uh, many souls of those that were saved who died in faith rose up and showed themselves to people in in the the, vill- in the different villages. And uh, uh, Paul says that uh, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So I'm a little confused on what does happen to us when we die. Do we instantly get judged, or uh, do we soul sleep until the gathering of all the saints to be judged? Yeah, it's a good question, Dave, and some of this can get confusing. Um, The Bible does not teach soul sleep. When the Bible uses sleep, it's a metaphor for death. It's because the body looks like it's sleeping. But uh, Jesus said that God is not the God of the dead, but he's the God of the living. Abraham is alive. Moses is alive. All the Old Testament prophets are very much alive. But the body looks like it's sleeping. And so there's no teaching in the scripture for soul sleep. Luke 16 gives us a behind the scenes view of of the rich man and Lazarus. They're both very much alive. And the rich man has some serious regrets, but he can't change 
you know, the outcome. It's too late. So the Bible teaches to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord in soul form or spirit form, whatever that looks like. And the, the passage that you're referring to in Matthew 27 about many bodies of the saints uh, who had fallen asleep were raised in Matthew 27, 52 is, a, is an interesting passage. And I think that was a foretaste of the coming resurrection uh, of all believers um, on, at the return of Christ, in my view. And it was kind of like Lazarus was raised from the dead. So Lazarus was dead in the tomb for four days. He was raised, and of course, he lived on, and then he died again. And one view is that those who were raised immediately went into heaven, and uh, that's one view. But another view is that, that they were raised. People who were saints rose as kind of a foretaste of the final resurrection, lived on like Lazarus did, and then died uh, a natural death or however they died. So I think that would be the answer. Anything to add to that? Dave, I'll just add from a timing perspective, if you look at Revelation chapter 20, um, you, you, you'll read about a first resurrection and a second resurrection. And the first resurrection is for the saints, those who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, this side of heaven, and eventually, in the end, they'll be judged for uh, their rewards, and they'll receive those. Later on, there's the second resurrection, which is also the second death, and that's all of those who have rejected Christ they will stand before God and give an account for their life and they'll be cast into the lake of fire. So in the meantime, like right now, uh, those that have died in Christ, they're in heaven, but they're awaiting their glorified body. And those who are in hell, they're suffering, but they haven't faced that final judgment yet well, the, where they will be um, ultimately thrown into the lake of fire. So we would say they, they're in Hades right now awaiting the lake of fire, which some would argue technically then is hell itself. But mm, yeah. either way, it's a yeah. place of torment and uh, not somewhere somewhere where you want to be, that's for sure. All right. Dave, thanks for calling in. Uh, we're going to go to Brent in Anaheim Hills. Brent, you're on with the Bible Answer Show. All right. Um, let me ask my question. Um, I typically uh, I enjoy talking to Jehovah Witnesses, and for whatever reason, I run into them more than most people. Um, and the thing I, I bring up is when they they bring up to me that the Bible says, you are my witnesses, meaning Jehovah. And I've heard before, and I brought up that the letter J wasn't even in the original, so it's the original Hebrew, so it's a translation. Um, so the question I have for myself is, now how does that work with with the name Jesus? In the, I think it was originally in Hebrew before the Greek. Um, is that an original translation too, or is that a, um, a, a, a is that a translation, or is that his name, Jesus? Well, that that is his name in Greek. So what you have is you have Yeshua would be his name in Hebrew. As it moves over to Greek, his name is would be pronounced uh, Jesus. So. Um, Brian, you want to take off on this and talk about the Hebrew and Greek? Yeah. So, so Brent, what's, what's happening here is um, it's technically you would call it a transliteration, not a translation. A translation is where you take the meaning of one word in, let's say, Greek, and then you translate the same meaning of the word into another language, let's say English. Now, a transliteration is you take the actual letters of one language and you transfer it into another language, the exact letters. And so that's what's happened 
with uh, the name of Jesus. It's, you know, like Yeshua in Hebrew, and they just kind of transliterated that into Greek, and then we've transliterated that into English. And that's how we've gotten uh, the name Jesus. Same with the name of God. Um, you know, we, we would say it's it's probably Yahweh. Um, that's, that's a whole separate subject of uh, when uh, Hebrew... Um, writing was when they would write things they, they would exclude um, vowels they would only have the consonants and so we have YHWH as the consonants for the name of God that's just a transliteration into English um, so most likely it's Yahweh so even there the Jehovah Witnesses are very far off Jehovah um, from uh, modern Hebrew scholars uh, the the transliteration of of uh, YHWH is definitely not Jehovah. They know that for yeah. sure. And, and in fact, it ended up that it was a combination of uh, Yahweh and Adonai, which which was combined. Uh, and so it's not, it, it would not be the closest to the name. And so here's where the point is well taken, Brent, in the sense that Jehovah's Witnesses come to your door and they say, you got to call out to this name, Jehovah, and that name is not the most accurate name for God, <laughs> according to the Hebrew language. And yeah, so uh, it's a misnomer from point one. And, you know, they often don't know this because they really limit themselves to just reading what amounts often to Jehovah's Witness propaganda, frankly. Right. We're going to try to get to Michael in Tempe, Arizona. We're right up against it. So uh, let's see if we can squeeze you in. Michael, you're on with the Bible Answer Show. Hi, I was uh, wondering, um, how do we respond or, or, or treat like people of different lifestyles, like uh, gay, lesbian, or transgender, um, that are um, coming to our church? Yeah, Michael, it's a good question, and, and we're sorry we're down to almost like a minute here. But what we would say is that, you know, we want to we want to open up our arms to all people. Um, everybody comes into the church with an issue or multiple issues. Uh, if someone's coming into the church and has no intention of changing and they have an agenda that they want to push, that's one thing. And of course, I guess we always have to be careful with you know how we look at that. But in the end, if someone's coming and they want to hear the gospel and they've had a struggle in a certain area, um, I know we have some extreme things that are coming out more and more in the culture, but you know, we certainly would want to minister to them. We, we'd have to draw some healthy boundaries, and we've, we've had to do that in some cases here as a fellowship. We have to draw healthy boundaries and speak the truth in love, but we certainly want to give everybody an opportunity to hear the transforming gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, any, any final thoughts? I would just add, treat them just like you would anybody else. We're all in need of the grace of God. Amen. Well, the Bible Lance Show is produced by Shane Lance and Cameron Thomas. Uh, special thanks to Joel, our call screener today. Uh, Bible Lance Show is a listener-supported ministry, so you can help keep the show on the air into 2017 by donating at livingtruthradio.org. Thanks to all our callers today, near and far. And uh, we'll catch you all tomorrow on the Bible Answer Show. Thanks for joining the conversation on the Bible Answer Show. To find out more about the radio ministry, Michael Lance, or the church he pastors in Corona, Living Truth Christian Fellowship, visit livingtruthradio.org. Please tell your friends about us and invite them to join us any weekday here on K-Bright. And if they have questions, we'll have answers on the next Bible Answer Show.